You know, Gary, I really don't have a whole lot to talk about this time. I, I watched the new episode of Lovecraft Country. Um, Me too. We can talk about that a little bit, okay. but I got something new to bring into the... Ooh, bring please, into this. bring it on in. Bring that fresh Okay, fresh I started Raised pad. by Wolves. I'm sure you've seen oh. the little poster for it on HBO Max. Scrolling yeah, when you're going you to watch Lovecraft good, Country. But... Yeah, it's definitely it good. I'm still not far enough into it to be like, this is my show. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Nando V Movies just tweeted, man, I'm falling off all these shows like Raised by Wolves. And I was like, oh, no, am I going to fall off? But I'm just going to not. I'm not taking <laughs> yeah. that. You know, don't, but yeah, uh, don't let that energy the get best in, way to describe this show is if you liked the movies Prometheus or Alien uh, Covenant? Covenant, then... It's a little more, um, a little more easy to swallow than those. Like those are a little bit like, this seems just like pointless to watch. Though this is a little less that, but mm-hmm. if you liked those, you'll like this. I think it's very, very, very. With both Android. of those, thinking they were they were entertaining, but uh, a lot of the, soulless. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's the what the show is like. It. You yeah. know, a lot right of on. conversations are between two androids being like. Mother, would you like to hear a joke? I would not. Okay. You know, and it's it's like what's cool, what I find really cool about it is it is what I envision the future to be. Not like mm. to be dark, you know, because it's yeah. about an apocalyptic future, I guess, without sure. spoiling anything. The literal intro section, you know how every show has their little yeah. thing, is just showing like destruction and apocalyptic things happening. So mm-hmm. like that's like the gist, but... Uh, it's very accurate to my idea of what like AI could end up being in like many ways too, not just one. Sure. And uh, Ridley Scott's good at that. I love his version. Oh, of is Androids. it Ridley Scott? He created the show, and oh, okay. You know how like have you seen Alien or Aliens or just any yeah, of oh, the yeah. yeah? You know how all of them except like... Alien Three. That's all right, but also <laughs> yeah, you should watch it because it's a really int- that could be one okay. we talk about in an intro section. Um, okay, I'll I'll but, try uh, and uh, add that to the list. You know how his androids have like milk blood? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a thing yeah. in this. Okay. So it's very much like in the Ridley Scott universe, just okay, sure. with that alone. Like milk blood seeping out of an android's <laughs> mouth is yeah. a very Ridley Scott thing, you know? Sure. Yeah. Ugh. All right. <laughs> That's I mean, my it's, review it's a, of Race by Wolves. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, Milk blood coming out. out of mouth. <laughs> and I'll try and check out uh, Alien 3 as well. That one's done by Joss Whedon, right? Who I usually, I you know, a lot of his stuff no. is very successful. I think. Or no, what, uh, what happened uh, with that movie? It's, um, what's his name? It's David Fincher. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's 3? his first movie. Uh, really? I think I'm thinking of the right one. He did an alien movie that is bad. And a lot of people are like, wait, what? That's his first movie? But he said in interviews that it's the producer's movie, not his movie. He was just uh, like a yeah. pawn. Um, but it's still a very interesting movie to watch knowing who directed it. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. I think that's... I just I just did a quick Google and yeah, it is David Fincher. For some reason when you said that, that sounded like it, it struck something. I think Joss Whedon has also done something that makes you go... Wait, that's Joss Whedon? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But before we get away from it, that episode of Lovecraft Country, okay, if you've yeah, fallen off quick. of the show, <laughs> it's real good. get back into it. Because that at last episode might have been one of my favorites. Yeah, you know what and I mean? one of the spookiest. I've heard some people like, have fallen off of it. Yeah, throughout, and that makes like, sense. Totally, because each episode yeah. is very different, and some mm-hmm. are will definitely turn people off. But yeah, the uh, beginning definitely had more like... 
more like intense like graphic imagery and stuff like that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um and this was much more like a horror movie, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I loved it. But also there's so many threads going on at this point that the show's not really like you can just jump in for just an episode. One thing. I think you no, find you elements of it entertaining, but thing. you do, yeah. I think that is the its biggest problem. Probably. If you could just watch one episode of this show, then you could have like the episode that you like. But yeah. you have to watch it all and there might be one or two or three that you don't like. I yeah. just happen to have loved everyone, you know. Yeah. Well, uh I think that's enough uh talking about uh stuff we've watched for our intro, uh especially with a guest here waiting to be introduced. Um today joining us, we have Reed Emmons who also went to the University of Minnesota Guthrie Theater BFA actor training program, which you get very good at saying very quickly. Thank you for using you its full title. There. I appreciate <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're very welcome. Um and uh, also, I think I mentioned in the last episode, got me the job at Hard Rock Cafe, which I got Gary a job at Hard Rock Cafe. We all worked there together we all for worked. a brief period of time. But uh, Reed, <laughs> welcome to the show. And Hello. I will uh, let you introduce yourself a little bit by posing the question to you. What bender do you think you are? Okay, what do you bend, so Reed? I, so here's the thing. So I listened to Gary talk about this before. I remember you said that you were like a young Iroh. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so here's the thing. I took one of the tests and it says that I'm, I took a couple of the tests and it says that I'm like an airbender, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm a little bit, I got a little too much rage under my, under my sure? soul to like, yeah. to follow that. So I feel like I am Although, honestly a firebender. What, okay. Okay. In, yes. In on. this episode, we see airbenders are not exempt from, you know, Very some rage point. going on. There. Honestly, what I loved about this episode so much, because it's like, we see like him be so calm. And then it's like, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get yeah. to it. But, but yeah. then I also looked at like my Myers-Briggs, because everyone makes those charts and I swing right. between an ENFP and an ENFJ. And those are like Ang and Iroh on like all of them. So oh, wow. it's like, I was like, I don't know. I, so somewhere between like fire and air. Which is a very so like maybe in a similar way, like you're a firebender who would prefer to study with the monks. Oh, you know? definitely, dude. Yeah. yeah. If I were a firebender, it would oh, be like I would learn all the styles. You might be. Uh, what's his name? Zhang Zhang. Dude. Oh, yeah. You know, I could be. Dude, I'd be Zhang Zhang. I dude, I'd, I'd do that. <laughs> I could the go with Zhang Zhang. <laughs> the, the dude who like leaves because everything is like right, but then also, yeah, I like that. I could, yeah. I could, I could totally mess with that. It's good. We got we got vibes on that. All right. I like oh, that. Cool. Uh, well, I think with that, we can introduce you fully to the show. Uh, if you don't know already, you're listening to A New Lens. This is a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. And we have gotten to uh, season two, episode 11 of Avatar The Last Airbender, The Desert. Uh, this is a... I gotta be honest. Yeah, this was one I've we've said before, like this is one I was excited for and it kind of let me down. Mm. This was like the opposite of that. I think I remembered enough about this episode and like the humor in it, but not enough about the emotion. (laughs) So I went into it thinking, oh, we just like went through a lot of really good emotional journeys and. Mm. If I remember correctly, this is just like a funny episode. I don't it's just know like if I Saka drinks cactus juice, right? Yeah, that's like the main thing. That's that the I highlight you remember for me about this as episode. a kid. Yeah. Um, but wow, oh man, uh, yeah, so much goes case. on in this episode, and we'll talk about why in the end. <laughs> oh yeah, oh man. So the course of this episode 
begins with Aang and the gang having the library just sunk into the ground and the sandbenders having stolen Appa. Aang yeah, it's like seconds being later. Very affected by that. And yeah, it's like right away. Um, and they're stranded in the middle of the desert. Uh, so they start to make their way through. Aang is processing this traumatic event of his, his best friend in the entire world being stolen. Um, the only being from his time, you know, and uh, he's clearly processing some rage. We have these cutovers to Zuko and Iroh who are traveling along uh, their way to meet a friend of Iroh's. They have an encounter with the rough rhinos, uh, but they eventually make their way to this sort of oasis. They, uh, we get our introduction to the White Lotus, which we'll get into for sure, and um, make their way to escape as the duo of Yu and uh, Jifu have arrived trying to find the Avatar, but also, you know, making do with the happenstance that they see these wanted Fire Nation people. Um, we go back to Aang and the gang. Sokka drinks some cactus juice. He's pretty much incapacitated. They find their way to this uh, buzzard bee hive and then get... Uh, confronted by these sandbenders and there's a pretty explosive ending to this um, but that's about the course of the episode the intensity with this one starts right away the music this and then just this slow pan over the desert and them like very far apart like you just get the feeling that they are there's te- they're disbanded tense. you know what i mean yeah they're, they're like the group is not cohesive right now well everyone's standing far apart and i feel like this is the first time i we've is it the first time we've seen ang like be mean to someone we like you know what yeah. i mean like him <laughs> being so. like just like just straight up blaming Toph for it and like what he says we know doesn't make any sense like there's no way she could have just jumped in and gotten him right and like and it's it's I think heartbreaking that Chase to watch. was like the only other one where we saw them like this divided. Yeah. 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 That's true. He did kind of have that frustration moment with right. her blaming Appa. But you can kind of attribute all of the tension in that episode to their tired state. And in this one, it's much more about the circumstances mm-hmm. and Aang specifically taking this situation very personally and not having the tools in this moment to deal with such a pretty catastrophic thing in his world you know i really do forget too that none of them saw it go down even Toph, because she's blind none of them know what happens like all of a sudden this library is sinking and to them they need to get out to Toph, she needs to stop it and now appa is gone like the amount of knowledge they have about what happened is zero it's crazy when you think about it it's his it's it's not just like angry that he lost Appa. He's like frustrated that he has nowhere to start, you know? Yeah. Katara is like trying to get everybody together to try and figure out how we are going to get out of here. And that's the narrative that she's like focusing on because it's pretty important because they're all going to die in the desert if they don't. And Aang says, you only care about yourselves. It's like, well, oh. well, yeah, Aang, we're all going to die. Like, we got to figure we're out how to get out of here. We're stranded in the middle of a desert that this, that the, that the philosopher could not find for so long. Yeah. Like, he tried for years. And it's like, there's no way they're just going to, like, wander out and happen to find it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we saw the map and the 
philosopher had only made or Zai, I think his name was, only yeah. made his way Zay. <laughs> I, Zay. I keep flip flopping that. Zay, I'm sorry. Zay. But um, the, the you see the trails he had made into the desert, and he didn't even get terribly far. Mm. Um, they any might of the times. be way farther in than like that. The center of this desert, which we find out they are at least close to, because that um, monument, which we'll get to, that they find that. Uh, mm. Right. Is what Katara deems to be like the magnetic center of the desert. Right. So they're close to the center. They are. Yeah. W- what's interesting to me as well is they're not only concerned with like, you know, we're in danger of our lives here, but Katara is talking about how we have to get this information to Ba Sing Se. We're the only ones who know this information about the eclipse and the opportunity that that will provide. And I find, I, I just think that's so... I don't know if it's like a coping mechanism for her, you know, to be able to like focus on something other than like, I'm going to lose my life if I don't make it out of here, but focus on like, we need to get this information out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely a thing where it's like, oh, we're all going to struggle through this. So whatever we can keep doing to keep moving forward, just to like, right. you know, it's the one foot in front of another. We can't, you can't right. get to, otherwise you just spiral. They would just spiral and be like, there's, there's also it opens up and like it's windy there is sand blowing everywhere it's not like a calm hot desert it's like a mild sandstorm happening there's a design thing that i think is really smart that all of them immediately have these sort of red cheeks like you can tell they are already heating up you know and i was thinking about (laughs) that throughout the episode ang is so distracted he could probably help out a little in this instance. He mm-hmm. could probably cool the air or calm, but he is like completely distracted the entire episode. And every time I thought like, man, I wish Aang would just give him a little like, you know how he cooled Coughs, or Toph's tea in that episode? Oh, like, wouldn't it be mm-hmm. cool if he just like did that to their face? But yeah. like, he is not concerned with, he's not concerned with that. Yeah. They're the he only leaves. ones actually, yes. He flies away. And I feel like the way that Katara is acting in this episode is just the perfect episode for her to act like this. Like her character has grown from like in the first episode, literally being like the strong minded of the brother and sister, like the, the -hmm. mother figure, but almost to the point of like Sokka being like, come on, you're like the annoying mom. And then when Aang joins the group, she like kind of has to really take that position. But right now she is being like a leader and it is clear that she holds the group together and it feels like a grown position. She's grown into that position. It's, you it's know? a very mature. Toph place isn't that she... arguing with her now. You know, there is no like quarrels about whether or not, right. other than Aang, you know, which it's, is it's kind of emotional sad, though, because she's forced mm-hmm. to be in that position because of the circumstances yeah. and because of and what we forget to she's else. still fourteen years old. You know, yeah. they're all kids. Right. Yeah. Um, but at this point, we do get our first switch over to Zuko and Iroh and Iroh's playing up his oh, God. You know, injured state that animation of oh, oh. don't stop for my account yeah. oh the pain oh. <laughs> um, they stop to take a quick breather and um, the, the rhino riders uh, come in uh, led by this leader Colonel oh shit Monke wasn't yeah. it Colonel Monke yeah Colonel Monke, yeah, um, who's voiced by uh, Malachi Throne, which I thought it was a 
different voice actor the first time I think that we met this character, but um, uh, I was going to double check that, but I don't remember. But anyway, they they have this interaction, which I think is I'm very cool. I'm glad they come back. I love that yeah. we have these, like the pirates are like the reoccurring, it's the same pirates. Right. These guys are like the rough yeah. rhinos. Like and Iroh addresses them, you know, he knows who this group is. Yeah, like they've totally fought together at some point, you know? Yeah, because he says right. it's, he's they're some of their former generals or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they each have a specialty, which is, you know, is already apparent, but it's it's kind of cool him giving that, that context he, to yeah, like and I, solidifying it. And then he's like, <laughs> um, they're also g- quite a talented singing group. And, and I love how it he cuts doesn't to the guy like, yeah. with a mask that's covering his face. Oh, so right. I'm just like imagining that guy singing, you know? <laughs> you know like, who is that guy? And even? the leader says, like, we're not here to give a concert. Like, he's confirming, yeah, they're a great singing group. That's so cool. I don't know. It's kind of a joke, but it also lends, you know, depth to the world and the characters because these yeah. are people outside of just these enemies. It reminds rhinos, me, you know? too, of that moment in um, uh, season one, 18, when uh, Zhao comes to recruit Iroh to siege the water, uh, North Northern Water Tribe. Right. And he's singing uh, his little song and has some people dancing. Mm-hmm. I mean... Really, the only firebender that we're like, all right, he's a cool guy, is Iroh. But all of the guys in that circle were singing and dancing. Like, all of those Fire Nation troops who later were probably trying to kill waterbenders, in that moment, were being playful and dancing. like art and culture. Yeah. And, yeah, like, feelings more than just, I want to kill everyone. And I love that the show isn't afraid to show us that at this point. It's it's not bad guy bad and all... All right. Fire Nation bad guy, you know? This uh, this fight is pretty good. I don't have any specific moves or anything to point out. I just think it's cool that they're all fighting with weapons and they're combating them with pure firebending. Just like, and you know, shooting a hole in their weapons. Iroh's like injury that. was just, even though he was just overplaying it, now right. you're remembering it. This whole fight, all I'm thinking is, right. he's like one-armed, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's one-armed, but he's still like windmilling around and he's like able to he like literally the guy like slings like the ball and chain thing in him and he just kicks it away with like one foot and i'm just like oh dude for like having like because he was like hit like right on his shoulder and his side you know i whenever iroh specifically has combated earthbenders multiple times you can tell he is studied with multiple bending styles because he's able to just like kick rocks away or like when a rock is flying he can grab it with a chain like he just knows what he's doing on a level beyond just you know shooting fire blasts to make things happen right and i feel like up until now it's almost been like alluded to like yeah this guy's a badass and he can do awesome stuff but like now seeing him and seeing zuko having been trained by him like they they work them fighting together is perfect like i want Mm -hmm. more of that now you know well, also, little thing that I just noticed, because I, I may or may not have it, like, yeah. playing on the side just so, like, I don't forget things. So, <laughs> here's even more so, even more badass of Iroh is, like, when the dude's swinging the ball and chain to, like, initiate, he whips it. Iroh isn't even looking. He whips around and kicks and fan kicks it at the same time. So, he, like, yeah. he's so on par with this that he can just hear it happening. And he knows perfectly how to, like, arc it over. And then they... Then two of them shoot like fire arrows and he just somersaults in front of them. Oh my gosh, I love this great oh. scene. 
And like, he, yeah, he's he's a general. You know, he's very he's a very skilled and trained and studied fighter. Um, and we've seen him sit and enjoy tea in a hot tub, and <laughs> yeah, he's not. Right. It's just the dude is. It's it's impressive. It's yeah. hidden. I hope people who haven't seen the show before are starting to understand why in those first episodes when Iroh's just sitting there drinking tea and being like the stupid uncle that makes a bunch of jokes were even then having seen the show going like, oh, Iroh, oh, yeah, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Um, like in reality, the first glimpse of cool Iroh is when he stops Zhao's kick. Right. And that's like, what, like six episodes in? But we were like episode one, you (laughs) know? Yeah, fawning over him. Uh, That scene has a good conclusion as they're running away i like the line where he's like uh zuko says do you have any old friends that aren't trying to kill you and he goes hmm old friends that aren't trying to kill me and then it just cuts away very clear that uh he does not have any (laughs) Um, or maybe he does which we'll find out in a few minutes i also like oh i didn't even make the connection is that what makes him makes him think have the idea to go to oh wow you know what? Totally. Thank Zuko you, saying that is what made him think, all right, this is why we got to head here. Um, and also during that little conversation, so earlier when he was wounded, it was like a joke. But he is still gripping his shoulder here. Mm-hmm. So even after that fight, like, nope, he's he's injured. Like, I don't yeah. know. I just find the attention to detail with things like that on the show really cool. Like, yeah, knowing that he is probably only giving it like 40% and him Zuko just took down and knowing that the rough rhinos, they weren't just some guys. They were specifically oh, sent yeah. because in the the eyes of the Fire Lord, probably these guys could handle it like, OK, these right. are like my five best guys. Right. But not anymore. No you know, match. not at this level. Maybe episode one, Zuko and Iroh, but not these guys. Not after those buns have been cut. <laughs> but that's a good point that he's only going at like 40% because like, you know, later on in the series, not to spoil it too much, but like, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. He's like a one man mm-hmm. army. And you're like, you know, this whole time Iroh's just been like sitting and he's just mm-hmm. like, ah, I may, I'll try. I'll give it. We just can't like, wait to see. Yeah. Like now we really can't wait. We do get back to Katara and Sokka and Toph. Uh, treading through the desert and they've got only a little bit of water and now we specify like this is this pouch of water is specifically Katara's bending water like that's what she uses it for we've seen her you know use it in action before but uh, <laughs> you know she gives three uh water spheres to each of them which also I noticed the same size sphere went to Momo which seems wildly <laughs> unfair um but they, they comment on like no, he's oh, just sitting your... on a shoulder yeah is this your bending water it tastes swampy um because they yeah used it in this which swamp. made me think i bet making the cleanliness consistency and flavor of water is just a whole nother level of mastery and she's obviously not practicing that right now you know yeah. just like <laughs> making the temperature of the water is like a level of mastery yeah. you know so here, here it is. Here's the moment. Sokka finds this cactus. <laughs> he cuts it open and immediately starts drinking a ton of water. And so does Momo, even though he just had like his body weight in water, whatever. Um, but they both drink down this water. And uh, which, you know, I feel like not a terrible idea. Like he wasn't stupid I would do for it. doing that. <laughs> yeah. I would do it. I get uh, it. Who knew that this was going to be like 
acid psychedelic water. <laughs> like immediately, Which I looked pupils. it up, and that's a thing. There is, is a I I don't remember what it's called, but there is a drug that it's people like get. That's peyote, what they want. Isn't it? Isn't that what like peyote made from cactus flowers? Oh, maybe uh, that's it. But there's a there's a specific uh like drug that you literally do what Sokka did. You cut a cactus and drink the juice out of it, and you trip balls like acid. Mm. And honestly, is ayahuasca is it? No, 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 no. I think no, it is peyote. There is a I'm go- yeah, it's a spineless cactus. Hmm. And it has like I don't I don't know how you consume it. I've never done peyote, <laughs> but either way, I feel like this is you know one. This is one of the jokes in the show that is a level of like realism in like wait that is kind of how drugs are for adults watching it, mm. but also as a kid watching it, this shit's really funny. You know it's what I really, mean? Yeah, and I think that's thing... one of the benefits of drug sequences on kids shows is kids find them just like food poisoning that is messing with his mind and it's sure. hilarious. You know well, it's I mean? interesting too because I was thinking this while I was watching the episode is especially in the scenes with him tripping balls <laughs> having drank this stuff um, that it doesn't cast a negative light on it. I mean, yeah. he is kind of useless in the group because he's too high but like he's having fun. You and know? The, the negative light that they cast later is Katara being like, why would you try something you don't know what it would do after yeah. having an experience like that? Sure, yeah. Which is a good negative light to cast. Like, don't right. just do something when you don't know what it's going to do. Right. Yes, but yes, totally. I love that they, they make this, like, a funny and fun. And the animation style that they cho- choose to go with, like, good use of colors and saturation for one thing, but also Noodle Sokka is hilarious. <laughs> yes, like when absolutely. he's just like, you know, and his, and his, his like arms and his hands are, it, he looks like a, he looks a lot like that unfried dough Ang, you know, that yeah. they. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also I love. Know, I just love it. Momo is also tripping from drinking this and he's, uh, <laughs> there's like four different times that he's flying backwards like uh, Sokka's holding his tail and dragging him along and Momo's just flapping his wings. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was a cool little detail, like uh, Momo experiencing flying, but backwards. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was cool. And then we cut over to Aang, who's by himself, clearly wildly frustrated. You know, he can't find Appa. He lands, he shouts, no! And has this huge explosion of dust that... Uh, uh cactus Sokka sees and goes giant mushroom it's a friendly mushroom oh god <laughs> and then he starts like praising it yeah yeah bowing to it oh. noodle Sokka too yes mm-hmm. uh this is when we cut to the oasis and we see uh you and jifu who are the duo the you know, underground, the guy who was in charge of the underground WWE style fighting ring uh, in Toph's hometown and Jifu. Uh, Hired who's by Toph's parents, Oh, it's the right? other way around, I think. It's Master Yu and Shifu. Jifu is the one who did the, who, who was uh, in charge of the WWE thing. But uh, Master Yu is the teacher. And uh, here they are trying to find Toph. I don't know exactly how they traced her here. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Do you? Do either of you have any expl- explanation on how they ended up here? Well, it shows the scene opens with a, a guy being like, 
yeah, there was a bald boy with tattoos and a blind girl here not long ago. Right, so that's true. I think they just have been going around everywhere asking about that. Sure. And if we remember last episode, they've been doing vacations, which is a little careless if you're trying right. to not be found because they're just kind of bouncing all over the uh, Earth Kingdom right now. Yeah. Um. And or is it big brain strats because you can't track it when they just randomly go around? Exactly. Oh. Like Zuko early, just being like, ah, he's a masterful. <laughs> You're right, and they're just going to they're robust, see the koi fish. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they see these Fire Nation wanted posters, and then see Zuko and Iroh walk right past right at that moment. Um, yeah. This is a very uh an episode where you have to remember that. This is a show where the universe, in this show's universe, destiny plays a very big part. So right. moments like this sometimes can feel like, eh, or they can feel like, oh, wow, cool yeah. how that happens. And right. I always go the route of like, oh, it's cool how they crossed <laughs> sure. paths, you know? Yeah, sure. I, deci- I make that decision. <laughs> it's convenient, but also it's a cartoon. And that's what I love about animated shows and and tv or shows and uh, uh films is like you ha- already are going in with a degree of suspension of disbelief exactly. um but that sort of sets up uh that storyline we cut back to all of them um as the sun is setting and these colors are stunning beautiful shot right there oh my god and that's got to be an homage to something when the, with the three shadows of them like walking across with a low sunset. Right. I don't know what yeah, that's from, yeah. but it's from it, something. I agree. It felt like a, probably like Lawrence some, of Arabia or something. Yeah, you know, one of the movies that we need to watch. <laughs> I only tried to watch Lawrence of Arabia once, and I was like eight years old, which is not the age you should watch Lawrence of Arabia. And I fell asleep for two of the three-hour-long movie that it is. Um, but Ang arrives here. And this look on his face is just furious. He's just dejected, but he has this rage that it's clear he does not know what to do with. Um, And he's kind of taking it out on them. I couldn't place that, but that's what it is. You can tell that Aang just doesn't know what to do with this rage. He's anxious. He's got anxiety in this episode. And I don't know. That's like not something you usually see. You, You see rage, but his... It's something about his animation and voice acting that just mm-hmm. gives you this extra level of being frustrated about being angry. Because he's mm-hmm. been a monk, you know? He's yeah. been practicing peace his whole life. Well, he's at that frustrating point where it's like, I'm so angry and so anxious that anyone trying to console me, it's like, that's not helping. Right. Because you see that when like he lands, Katara tries to like slowly walk over to him, talk to him. She puts yeah. his hand, her hand on his shoulder and he just like shrinks away and just like... Just nobody touch me. No one do anything. I need to figure this out on my own right now. Yeah. Oh, I, it, my heart breaks for Katara in this episode. And in this mm, moment too. specifically, she looks around at the group that she has on her hands. Aang is incapacitated with his fury. Toph can't see where she's going. She's like basically kind of useless in this scenario. She's like, I got nothing. Sokka is just tripping in the sand with Momo. And Katara has this moment and and, and the music kicks in and there's that sort of like chugging uh, sound to it of her like, I am going to bring this together. I am going to try and fix this situation as best that I can. And she says, um, uh, I forget exactly uh, what she, she says say in the moment. Doesn't she just say no? Doesn't she go, no, 
we are we are going or something like that she's just like and she makes everybody grab so hands defined. like follow the leader style and yeah. she's like just starts trudging oh, and this is one of the, the moments moment. you were talking about where he's where sack is holding on the tail of momo and momo's yeah. just desperately trying to fly away yeah yeah <laughs> it's the first one there's a couple more too um but I, I like her plan, you know? She says, we're going to... Well, it, this is after they kind of collapse and stop for the night. And then she says, okay, we're going to rest for a few hours. And then we're going to walk through the night while it's cool. And we'll try and rest during the day. Um, you know, if nothing else comes up, this is all they really can do. Is just try and make their way through as uh, smart as possible. And um, she uh, deals out the last doses of water um and momo attacks it yeah momo whacks it out of out of her hand Sokka goes no you've killed us and then Katara's like no it's fine he's like oh bending like i think it's funny that Sokka on some sort of psychedelic thing forgets that bending is a thing it's also cool that you can kind of tell it's starting to come down you know like his his trippiness is there, but it's starting to be more, uh, you know. Settle into a certain yeah. phase of it, for sure. Um, this is when we get back to Zuko and Iroh in this sort of tavern place. And Zuko's commenting on, this place is filled with filthy wanderers. It's like, well, they all look like that, and so do we. Um, which i don't know if you guys talked about this so the sandbenders we you guys were talking about this before and if you already said this i apologize the sandbenders kind of remind me of the jawas from tatooine in star wars (laughs) they're just like (laughs) they just don't speak and they'll just like grunt and you only see their eyes and you have like and it's like lots of little seedy people just like screwing around but right until the end of this episode where we do find out that they talk and they're like people (laughs) you know yeah um, which is, oh, it's just wild. I love that. Um, but Iroh sees his friend sitting uh, at the other end of this tavern with a pie show table out. And <laughs> Zuko's frustrated. He says, we came here just so you could gamble on pie show. This almost feels like a little bit of a little, remember early Iroh and Zuko? You know yeah, what I mean? I guess kind of remind you know, a little uh, nod to that. I do have a question for you guys. Do you think they were going to meet him there on purpose? Or do you think that they hap- they stumbled into this bar and this guy happens just to be sitting like at a pie show table and just like they, I wonder, I've always wondered if they just have, like, if it's not as, if it's not as set in stone that like, hey, we have these meetings set up, but just like they have people stationed all around the different kingdoms just at open pie show tables ready to like, play people or ready to just have that conversation if it needs to happen i think that's it and also with the with the context gary gave earlier um in the episode of you know iroh maybe having the idea to meet this friend because of him saying "Hmm, friends that don't want to kill me um he knows there is this person who is just stationed here he's a member of the white lotus who is just Mm -hmm. stationed here but he didn't just walk in and sit down exactly where he was it's clear he's like is he here? Where is right. he? Maybe he will yeah. be. Maybe we've got to wait. And I like to think that maybe uh, there are other people in on it who are willing to, like, allow their space to be used. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, like, the space they use is just 
always used for that. You know sure. what I mean by that? Yeah. No, totally. Well, I mean, they clear out by the end of the episode. Exactly. Uh, and I don't think yeah. that's necessarily something they would only do for this specific circumstance. I think it's a space yep. that is welcome to be used for that purpose, you know? Yes, um, yes. Oh, but this whole interaction, I love so much. I love it so mm-hmm. Me too. Um, may I have this game? Well, the guest has the first move. I see you favor the white lotus gambit. Not many still cling to the ancient ways. And he says, those who do can always find a friend. It just like, it sounds like code, but it also is like, very such a beautiful notion too like i follow this there are way, like so I 50 lines in this episode like that like yeah. everything that iroh says or like all of the, the code the little, speak that oh they my, do it's that's clearly so like um, good. pre-agreed upon language of the white lotus you know which we're now learning is an organization and for those who haven't watched the show before uh i hope you'll remember that time when iroh lost his white lotus pie show chip and they had to go find it like he made them run through a bunch it's of a bigger deal just to find. it's just... a bigger deal than you thought it was it mm-hmm. wasn't just iroh being you know ridiculous about this game that he likes so much it is a very meaningful thing it's a connection to a whole society that he's a part of do you oh. guys talk at all about like the rules of this game like have you guys read into that at all not no. not that much dude so apparently there are people on the internet who there's there's a website called the garden gate and i think there's another person called shud s-h-u-d pie show and mm. people literally went back and watched and figured out how this game works and how to play this game specifically oh, cool. you can buy the board and the oh, tiles and everything yeah. online and it's so it's all about like there's different so there's the different there's the red and the white and then the neutral zones and you have different like mm-hmm. gates and you have to plant flowers and different flowers create harmonies with each other around wow. the center but the white lotus is the ultimate tile that can harmonize with anything on the board oh. so that's like part of how it all like goes together so when but it's I've also the most there. vulnerable so piece too. so it so like certain flowers can capture other flowers and there's like stones that can that affect different tiles but the white lotus is also the most vulnerable because it can be captured by anything but it can also harmonize with anything so it's that ultimate like perfect harmony but perfect fragility and that's why him putting it in the center is so is so weird because people are like why would you put it in the center that's your most valuable piece it'd be like putting the queen in the middle of a chessboard just like anything can take it or king in the middle of a chessboard anything can take it Oh, that is so cool. That is very that's cool the coolest context. Thing and that's I've why I love this episode so much. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to look up an order of my show board now. <laughs> I think I am too. Oh, and now we know it's more than just a game. And it's meaning to this uh, greater society. And, uh, you know, there's a philosophy behind it that I think is linked to the Order of the White Lotus, um, which you just gave us more context on too. So cool. Um they get discovered by this duo, uh, Master Yu and Jifu, and uh, and this is the first time we see Master Yu. Remember, we kind of assumed he's probably just a shit vendor, but like swindling right. for money. He's well, actually not bad now. We yes, know that. You once know? the fight breaks out, which is strategically done, and I love the way that this friend of Iroh's gets up and says, "Oh, I knew, you, I knew it. I knew you were uh, wanted of the Fire Nation." And Zuko's like, "What the hell? I thought, I thought this guy was on our side." And he's like, "Iroh's just like, just wait, just watch. He is. Oh yeah." Um, and he's like, "You think you're gonna take all that gold for yourself?" Right. Yep. All that gold in a tavern. I love of, like, shady people. the shots of all the 
the different people because yep. we've seen them in the background, but now we see like this guy with a bandana and an earring like pull right. out a dagger. We see like a guy just kind of look over and like they all have different looks yep. on their faces, and it's just like you know shit's going down now. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like a Star Wars moment or something. Yeah, totally. This is when we cut back to Ang and the gang, and uh, I just note noted the moment that uh, Toph is like. She wakes up um, and she says, uh, when I went to sleep, my mouth tasted like mud and now my mouth tastes like sand. I never thought I'd miss the taste of mud. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, uh, Katara goes over to wake up Ang, and I'm awake, which is like, okay, man. All right. <laughs> uh, he like, oh, I couldn't sleep. He looks up and he sees this cloud going past the moon and he thinks it's Appa and oh just the this like moment pure makes me almost joy cry every in his time. voice. Oh because he's God. not surprised either. He's like, Appa! He's like, there he is. Oh Man, it's that uh, moment of just like so desperate for like a sign of something to be right in yeah. the world that oh. you're willing to like cling to even the faintest image of something. Yep. Sokka is like, why would Appa be with Yue? She doesn't need to fly. She's the moon. Which is a cool, like, reminding us that that's still, you know, the Yue is the moon, basically. The, this girl that Sokka almost had a thing with. Um, Katara recommends that Aang goes up and bends the water from the cloud, uh, which is a which really is a great idea. cool bending thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of reminds you, you know, because we, we know they can do this from the uh, Fortune Teller episode. You know, yep. My heart breaks. This is the moment that I really just uh, feel for Katara so much. And Me too. Gets back down, and he's like, "Well, what are you all doing? I I did the best that I could to get the water. What are you all doing?" And Katara just quietly, she's not like lashing back. She's not even looking at him. She just says, mm-hmm. "Trying to keep everyone together." <sighs> oh, 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 oh! I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps. Or as our acting teacher, uh, Bruce, would say, goose flesh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that. that. I forgot about that. I don't like it either. We started saying uh, Bruce flesh (laughs) whenever we got goosebumps. I do like that. Shout out to Bruce Roach, one of the best human beings that I've ever known in my life. Literally. But uh, they're walking along, and Toph stubs her toe on something sticking out of the sand i think it's so cool that even from that quick like she didn't see it coming but as soon as she kicked the thing she's like it's a boat it's one of those sandbender raft glider things um i'm positive i hit it hard enough um (laughs) and they uncover it and it is it's one of these uh sandbender uh gliders which they can now use because Ang, they don't have to you know do the sandbender method of making a little tornado Ang can just airbend it um, but we go back to Iroh, who is told to be a grand master of the White Lotus. Like mm-hmm. this friend of his says, like it's it's an honor to have such a high ranking member of the White Lotus here, Grand Master. Um, <laughs> Zuko's being a teenager. Zuko's such a dick. <laughs> he's, he's such a it. dick in this. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Because um, he's like, you know, he's like, chill oh, out, is anyone going like, help? He's obviously helping you out, but he's right. just like. What are these old men doing? You know, it's like chill out. It's gonna work out. Some you know? dude, some random dude you just met, just called your grandfather like a grandmaster and is like right. laying praises at his feet of like, oh my god, it's such an honor to be with you. And Zuko's like, it's just my grandfather. Are you gonna like give us food and water or what? Like, what's up with this flower shop? 
<laughs> Why are we are we gonna sniff flowers? It's like uh, I love the calm way Iroh's just like, please forgive my nephew. Uh, he is not uh, an inductee. He's uh, he's he doesn't know he doesn't know the cryptic arts. I like the way I love that. Yes, that. so many lines like that in this, and then there's another one. Did he, you write uh, the, it down? The guy opens it. I forget what he asks. Who knocks but... at the garden gate? One who has, he who eaten, has the eaten the fruit, the fruit and, tasted and tasted its mysteries. Its mysteries. Oh, oh my god, I, that's like the coolest. That's the coolest <laughs> oh. code to get into something that has ever happened ever. Yeah, one who has eaten the fruit and tasted its mysteries. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why. I just love yeah. it so much, and the way he says it too. Oh, man. and it implies so much about him. There is. This fruit of knowledge that right. Iroh is now, he is a part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so cool. I imagine Zuko, though, in that moment, just being like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> yeah, Zuko gets left outside. They slam the door in his face. Iroh yeah. slits the thing open. He's just like, it's members only. I'll be out in a minute. <laughs> um, uh, but then Aang, we cut back to him you know, airbending the thing along. Uh, and there's a sort of compass on the sort of driver's seat of this, like, uh, you know, the the post, whatever. Um, mm. Katara's there. I like the way that she's got her chart of stars, and that's how she knows it doesn't look like the compass is actually pointing north, but to some, some other sort of... Um, and that's been something magnetic. that her and Sokka seem to have a pretty good connection with since the beginning of the show. Hmm. I bet that's a water tribe thing because they're connected uh, with the moon. Yeah. So they do a lot of being up at night, probably looking at the right. stars. Totally. So it makes a lot of sense that a star chart would be her best way to... It. I mean, it is also logically the best way to get around. But for her, right. it makes sense to her the most, too. I also love just the design of this sand oh. vendor ship. Oh, yeah. Every time there's a new thing on the show, it, it would be so easy for them to be like, you know, like we had the just a platform in the in the water tribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you could just do that for this too and just add a sail to it and call it <laughs> fucking. Right. But they like designed it in this way that is specific to sand bending, but they can utilize it too. But, you know, I don't know. It's just cool. No, I, I agree with you for sure. They crest a certain um, dune and they see this giant rock. It's a magnetic rock that they say must be, you know, like the magnetic center of the desert, which uh, we already sort of touched on. And they said, maybe we'll we'll find uh, some clue or s- some way to get out or some water or something. And Aang, close up on his face, and he says, or maybe we'll find some sandbenders. Oh, shit, yeah. Aang. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like... This episode turned into a revenge episode after yeah, that line. But he mm-hmm. doesn't say it loud enough for everyone to hear it. He just no, says it it's quite enough. It's just that yeah. little, like, I'm going to kill them when yeah. I see them. <laughs> like, yes. yeah. Oh, you can tell freaky. that this child, this monk-raised child, has the fury of, like, wanting to kill someone over over his friend being stolen mm-hmm. and honestly when you start to think about that it's not necessarily a critique of it but it shows like 
you know, his only life was 12 years in a monk's sanctuary. <laughs> and he probably spent that whole time learning to, like, let go and, like, mm-hmm. be re- life is suffering. You know, like, Buddhist teachings is, like, usually what seems to be synonymous with the monk's mm-hmm. teachings in the air nomads. But, like, he just woke up in the middle of a fucking hundred-year war and his bison is now stolen. Like, there's more going on than just this. Like, this is, like, his first time realizing that the world fucking sucks, you know? And his bison, which is the only thing besides Boomy that he has any recollection of in yep. his past. Literally yep. the it's only like, thing that reminds him of his past life. Like, what, what... There's no one there to be, like, as a monk, like, this is something you deal with, you know? Let go of... <laughs> right. You know, he, he can't, can't do a that. A bunch of other kids. <laughs> Yeah, who are yeah. all like, I don't know what to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. And Katara is just trying to keep them together. God. But they, they, they reach this big uh, rock face. And I love I love Toph getting out and creating a rock angel <laughs> in the face of the rock. <laughs> ah, land, sweet land. Um, and Sokka, they go into these tunnels. There's clearly some sort of like wax or, you know, wax type thing. Sokka just licks it. He just picks it up with his hand and puts it like a bunch of it in its mouth he doesn't even like give it a little taste it's like a gla- it's like sticking it. your hand into like a full hand into a peanut butter jar and just like it, grabbing it's like a when he took that bite out of a bug in the episode in the swamp yeah it's like, Sokka does not mind he's you willing know what? to just you know what he winnie the poos this month this this shit oh wow <laughs> winnie the poos he really it. does that is accurate um, and katar is like what are you doing he's like i have a natural curiosity which is lucky <laughs> my favorite line of the whole thing <laughs> yeah. just so casual about it what i can't help it it's who yeah. i am unapologetic <laughs> you know, i honestly think that uh Sokka, there's like a really well balanced um a balance of emotions in this episode which i realized why when it ended but um Sokka's humor is so important mm. in an episode filled with so much sadness yeah. mm. hopelessness tension mm-hmm. anger it's a kid's show you know if you just right. have all that like imagine walking in like being a parent and walking into your kid watching avatar the last airbender and it just being like straight up dreadful the whole time i don't know like you'd be like dang like throw on some spongebob real quick man <laughs> so like i think they're just it's important that Sokka can have humor yeah but it's it does not take away from any of the emotions that are are because, going on too yeah because he's out of his right mind which is an obstacle in the episode like it's built into the conflict exactly. of it's part the of story it. of the episode but it's also a relieving break and very funny oh and then they figure out what these holes are made by which is one of the smart, I, I I don't know, I love this combination of animals. We've seen a lot of, Me too. you know, two animal combinations in this show. Platypus bear, uh, ko- koala otter, which is also pretty great, actually, now that I'm saying it. But buzzard bee makes a lot of sense, I feel like. Mm. I don't know why. The, the two just go together really well. Um, and we got a, a glimpse of them earlier in this episode. It's not coming out of nowhere. When... Uh, Sokka first drinks the cactus juice. He's laying on the ground, and he points out the the fl- uh, above fly thingies. I forget exactly the circle the birds. The circle birds, birds, yeah. Um, Which anyone who knows cultures. anything about nature knows that circling birds means there's something dying yeah. or dead under them. Yep, they're looking for food, and uh, they 
rush out of the holes. These buzzard bees fly out, and one of them grabs onto Momo and flies off with them. And I find it very interesting that Aang, in this moment, he's like, I'm not losing anyone else today. But, like, he ditched his friends in the middle of a desert where they don't know how to get out. And all of their friends are like, okay, so these things are flying. Mm. Katara doesn't have any bending water, so she can't bend at all. Literally, the yeah. only bender is Toph, and she's blind, so she mm. can't see anything in the air. That's flying. Aang is the only other one that can do anything, and he's Sokka's just like, tripping nah, balls. He's slashing at nothing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still, you know, he's, he's much more, you know, cognizant now, but he's still not... The effects it are honestly not gone. is a really effective second time showing us that he is a kid dealing with his emotions. He's not actually yeah. like thinking for the sake of, you know, the right. betterment of the people he cares about. He's reacting. He's he in is an elevated state. Angry and doing what he his anger is telling him to do. Yeah, he's reacting. And his excuse and... is, you know, I'm not gonna lose anyone today, but in reality, he just wants to I mean he he is feeling that but that feeling is so intense and so anger angry angry yeah. he's not seeing what's going on behind him yeah he could and totally like save everyone right now you know and he saves momo and doesn't let it go and this buzzard bee flies off and he sends an airwave down at it like a air slice. slice an air slice thank like you a both full for clarifying on... that it's very important actually and takes down this but you see it smash down to the ground i i mean i i don't think i think it's non i think it's non-explicit enough to be still palatable for children but he kills this thing doesn't he i think that the decision there was a decision as to whether or not the thing would be in two pieces it feels like it was supposed to be in two pieces on the way down yeah it it feels like uh, an unneeded lashing out of mm-hmm. violence that he then feels satisfied about. Yes, he does really... not regret it. He looks at it and then walks with away with a determined mm-hmm. face and walks away. Ooh, it's chilling to see Ang this way. And this whole time, that's one thing that's special about this show is like the very clearly most powerful character on the show is like the most loving person too. Mm-hmm. So seeing him like this makes you go, oh wait, oh, wait, what could he do? Like yeah. could he he could fuck shit up, you yeah. know. Yeah. Which we uh get yep. a little more of in a second here. We get back and we see these sandbenders have arrived. That is the next beat. Um <sighs> he arrives back to the group sort of uh confronting them as they arrive. Uh we we get a quick blip back to Iroh and Zuko saying that Ba Sing Se is going to be the safest place for them from the Fire Nation and Iroh giving context that like even I couldn't breach their walls which is like (laughs) I don't know you've seen how badass I am now right I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, I love how they get away with their flower pots and yeah totally uh teacher Master Yu is that his name yeah yeah Master Yu uh I I don't know why I do. You know how there are some lines like the line in the Harry Potter uh, Sorcerer's Stone, 37 counted them myself. Mm-hmm. 36, but last year, last. You know what yeah. I mean? Like little yep. lines, just like I think of them oh, yeah. a lot. Mm. There's one of them in this moment. 
some poor unlucky soul has yeah. lost his... You know, like, yep. just thinking of some unlucky soul is missing his pie cho set. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the way he says it. I'm yeah. not even quoting it right. It's like the way he says it that sticks out in my head. Totally. And whenever something sad happens in life, I always say that. I'm always like, some poor soul has <laughs> <Yeah>, lost his <laughs> pie cho set. Well, then a small subtle thing too. On the ground, inlaid into the ground, is the white lotus tile. And oh, if you no notice that, yeah, go back and look because when they, so they like kick down the door and the guy's like, only flowers are allowed back there. So it's like one of those things where it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's a, yeah. it's a, a member <laughs> of the <laughs> wink, wink, wink nudge, the, nudge. Yeah. And then if you notice, it's very small, but they have like cushions stacked up on the side. So like, mm. this is like a meeting place that they are like known yeah. for. Yeah. But, but wow. clearly able to evacuate quickly. Oh yeah. Which is, oh yeah. Oh, so so cool, so good. I'm so glad the White Lotus has entered our uh, our realm of uh. knowledge in this universe uh, with this episode. But we get this final scene with the the Sandbenders claiming that you know you stole one of our sand gliders, and they're like, "Yo, we just found it in the desert." <laughs> um, and the son is trying to like accuse them, especially when they say they're looking for their bison that was stolen. And he's like, "You're trying to accuse us of stealing your bison," and the the, the father is. I like, love that the father says that. Yeah, too. he's the like, whole, "Okay, no, no one's accused no one's us accused of anything." Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it shows that the sandbenders aren't shitty. There's a right. shitty guy yes. within, you know. The father is so important here because all we've seen of these sandbenders are just like, you know, creatures basically. Ah, who steal also, bison. And... His best argument is, we didn't steal anything. They're the thieves. And it's like, that's the best argument yeah, that they yeah, have. They're like, true. we're missing something. But nah, you guys stole it yourself. That's <laughs> yeah. what's happening. Right. Uh, but Toph. With her elevated hearing, she's like, I recognize a voice anywhere. Because that's the main identifier that she, you know, she can see people mm -hmm. in a certain way. But that's the main identifier of how she knows people. I love uh, that, too. Such yeah. a cool detail. So she heard the voice of this son as they were stealing Appa. So she knows it was him. And Aang does not like that very much uh he crushes one of their sand gliders and he shouts where's my bison oh uh and then he he smashes another one they're like how can we help and katara's just like you should probably just get out of here as ang goes into the avatar state with how well, he angry starts, he is he's still in control because he has the he has a staff and he has mm. it out and you just hear the voice of all the avatars that's like yeah. tell me where appa is right like yeah. all and of the them thing like, that oh, sets shit. him off too which i think is important to note mm. is what toff tells ang he said He's the one who That's did it. Right. He muzzled Appa. He muzzled yeah. You he put a muzzled Appa. Like, yeah, man. Like, yeah. No, as a as a pet owner, <laughs> ooh, man. <laughs> if I were to like find out that someone like put a choke chain on my dog, or so, you know, like it's like a whole yeah. other level. You yeah. know what I mean? And oh man. And then Sokka, just run. Like the way I love that voice acting there because it's not. Screw you guys. Like, I hope you get it. Mm -hmm. Sokka in that moment realizes, like, honestly, we all got to just run. Like, this mm -hmm. is bigger than us now. Just yep. run, you know? Yep. And then we cut to Katara. Oh. And she's just got this look. And, like, her mm -hmm. arms are, like, crossed. Yeah. She's looking down. And 
you can tell because we've talked about this before in the yeah. Avatar State episode. When mm-hmm. she sees him like that, it truly breaks her heart. She yeah. cannot. She does not. And and oh. it, the way that she's able to bring him back is satisfying because of having had that conversation and have her having expressed to him that you don't know what it's like for everyone else who loves you to see you in that state. Mm-hmm. And so he's in this furious state that has gotten him into the avatar state, this almost like out of control, you know, place. And Katara just goes up and lays a sad hand on his arm and he floats back down and the the lights fade from his eyes and arrow. And the wind that's a circle kind of turns into this yeah. like this cool, like mm. whoosh. Yeah. And the tear comes out of his eyes, he lays mm-hmm. his head on her shoulder. And that's it. But it's also significant. I'm sorry. I know. No, no, do it. it. I appreciate it. No, no. Yeah. It's also significant. So I looked this up. So Aang has only been in the Avatar state four times, pretty much. Hmm. One was the was during the solstice when Avatar Roku helps him escape. Mm -hmm. We see another one for the siege of the north. Mm -hmm. And then the two other times are the southern air temple and the Avatar state. And both Mm -hmm. the southern air temple and the Avatar state Everyone is afraid of him. Like they, like Katara and Zaka are like afraid of him at the Southern Air Temple. They, mm-hmm. for the Avatar state, they're like shimmering back in fear. But also, this is such a moment of like Katara is willing to put, this shows how far they've come. She's willing yeah. to put herself in danger mm-hmm. for the sake of him. It is the first time someone has actually approached him yeah. during the Avatar state rather yeah, than she's coming not out of it safe. himself. Yeah. She's not just safe because she's Katara. She doesn't just think. It's fine. You're right. right. This is like... She knows how dangerous it is to to be getting near him in this state. Well, because she lays a hand on him. It's a total act of just pure love that brings him back. Mm -hmm. Well, Yeah, because you see it when she puts puts her hand on him and he like looks down like ready to kill her. And then then it has that moment and that's where the softening happens where it's like, ooh, she's there. It's just her. It's just her. Oh, And then he finally gets this release of his rage. He's been, or, you know, his emotion, his his yep. despair is really what all of this is coming from, is a, a deep despair inside him that has been bubbling up his rage because he does not know what to do with this elevated emotion. And it's gotten to the point where he's, like, ready to decimate these, these sandbenders. And finally... Katara's just there to comfort him and bring him down out of this and he just weeps and it's clear it's satisfying mm. for the arc of Aang in this episode everything's not okay but he is finally addressing what's really yes. going on inside of him yes. and it's not rage it's despair and mm. he's finally addressing it oh it's beautiful. and while this is going on I'm thinking in my head oh my god that must have been Lauren McMullen and then <sighs> Directed by Lauren McMullen. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Like, Every single one. Every single... Oh, is Lauren knows. Emotionally masterful. All of the ones that... It's sad a couple yeah. times now. And it's ended sad in such a way where you're not like, oh, screw that. You're like, oh, no, oh, wait, wait, man. just one more. Wait, right. I need to watch yeah. like another like... Well, wait, yep. just five more minutes just to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. There is enough resolution to make you feel like the story of this episode is complete, but enough mm-hmm. still like you hanging said, there. His, that. his emotions resolved yes. with sadness. Right. Sadness can be a resolution. I think that's a mature thing that 
kids shows don't i mean i we we talk about this a lot being the kids show willing to do that but i'm sure there are more kids shows that are like this and i'd like to watch them this is the one that did it for me though i think that's what's important yeah and it shows for me it's okay to just cry when you're angry about something and it will help. It mm-hmm. will feel good to just hold, to be in an embrace and cry about what's going on and, and acknowledge it, accept it. Address and accept and embrace your emotions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now that we've gotten to that deep point, let's talk about a kid moment of the week, guys. <laughs> Thank what God for transition. Lauren McMullen because she directed an episode with both shit that's making me nearly cry right now yeah. and shit that is filled to the so with laughter funny. it's very funny I very think funny the way we can phrase this is like which soccer tripping moment is, <laughs> is the one yep. what do you guys got read oh okay um Honestly, I feel like just the first moment is when like his eyes just like go and just like dilate yeah. and then he's like doing the worm on the ground. <laughs> It'll quench yeah. your thirst. Oh yeah, that's it. It'll it quench you. It's the quenchiest. Yeah. But there's also a subtle moment that I just noticed that's not as kid momenty, but when so- when Katara's like, hey, can I see that map from the library? He's like, I didn't take anything. It was you. And he like yells at Momo and Momo yeah. puts his paws over his eyes and just like yeah. hangs his head in shame. Yeah, like, it I was me. like, oh, that's so good. So oh, good. you're I so right. That. that might that's be really it, good man. One because that shit's... Yeah, Gary, are you going to go with that? or uh... I'm going with that. That That is yeah. so funny to me. I was going to say quench ya, but I, I really like that. Uh, I really like that moment. It, it was, was you. Momo. <laughs> and then Katara just being like, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Katara throughout the whole episode does not laugh. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like, it's only for us. She's like, just give me the map. Yeah. Oh, man. But she's she's the straight man. She's got someone's gotta be a straight man for exactly. to make all of it all of it yep. come around. You've gotta so you've gotta have that to bring it all together, to to drive it home. Mm-hmm. Uh this is uh, a great episode. Reed, thank you so much for joining us on this thank episode. Thank you guys so uh, much. I love it. Really awesome I loved your insight you. throughout. I'm definitely gonna look more into the researched and real game of Pi Show now. Dude, yeah, me it. too. Uh, you can find it. Yeah. For everyone else out there, you can follow us on any social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I think is still uh, in, in the works, but at New Lens Pod. We've also got our other podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. Um, that is an actual Dungeons & Dragons, uh, actual play D&D podcast that we do with our friends Dustin and Sam. You can find that on all platforms as well. And all of that on Legendary4.com where you can comment on any of these episodes and let us know what you think, what we should do next, uh, anything like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, Reed, thank you once again. Uh, or uh, Master Zhang Zhang, I, sh- oh, I should yes. say. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and thank you all for listening. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. And I'm Reed. And this has been A New Lens. Ooh, that was good. That was a good mm-hmm. one. I like that. It's all about that. It's all about those deep vocals on the outro. <laughs>
you clearly want on an episode that you're not a guest on in the future we're gonna read that (laughs) again just randomly you're gonna be listening and be like wait what the fuck